All right, let's go ahead and get started tonight, please, if we can. Since it's Memorial Day weekend, and I don't guess that really matters, uh, let's all say the books of the Bible together, why don't we, all right? On three, one, two, three. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus,
Two ten. Okay. <clears throat> be faithful, be faithful, be faithful unto death, and I, and I will give you a crown of life. Okay. So one more time, without the, without seeing the, the, the songs. Here. Ten seventeen. Believe. John. Eight twenty four. Repent. Confess. Acts 8.37 Acts 8.37 Be baptized Acts 2.38 Okay Can't get Smith and Wesson study Acts okay. Acts 2.38 Then uh, live faithful Revelation 2 and 10 Excellent Let's do the shorter version Here believe repent confess Be baptized in the water Just begin to walk with Christ Live like you are just Now no. What's the key verse of authority in the Bible? Colossians. No. 3.17. Say Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. That's the key verse of authority in the Bible. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. Now we just sang about what God made on each day. Day one through seven, day one through six. Now what is the one verse you can sing that proves God made everything? Hebrews. Ten, seven, no. Three and four. Okay. Every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone. But he who built all things is God. Now, if you say Acts 8.37 for everything, you're going to get one right eventually, all right? So, I guess there's some positives in that, okay? All right, how many elders do we have here? Four. Who are they? Boone Bull has four. Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. Love, joy, peace, and faithfulness. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Gentleness and self-control. These are good fruits in our soul. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. All right, quickly. This is how we worship God. Worship God. Worship God. This is how we worship God according to His Word. Sing. We sing praises to our God, to our God, to our God. We sing praises to our God, singing in our hearts. Hand up only after we get done with that verse. We pray. Pray. We pray to the Lord our God, Lord our God, Lord our God. We pray to the Lord our God in Jesus' name. Lord's Supper. You like that, don't you? We partake of the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper. We partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering His death. Give money to God. We give our money to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. We give our money to the Lord, showing Him our love. One more. We listen to the Word of God in preaching. We listen to the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. And increase in faith. All right, time to bow up quickly. Let's do our questions and let's do it loud and clear and together. What's true success in life? Okay. So much for together. Try to do it together if you can, right? What's true failure in life? Living your life Okay, and don't laugh about that one. That's, that's bad, okay? True failure in life. All right. Now, what's God's ideal for marriage? One man, one woman, one life. Okay. Why were you made? To glorify God. Okay. 
and to say things loud, clear, and together. Okay? And because God made you, what does that mean? I'm special! Okay? And you may not be going to school much anymore, right? But no matter what you have to do at home or whatever, what are you going to do all day tomorrow and the rest of the week? I will do my best, never give up, God will carry the rest. And I'll always remember that right is always right, wrong is always wrong, it's never right to do wrong, it's never wrong to do right. And that's right because the Bible is right. All right. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. One, two, Jesus loves you. Three and four, he loves you more. More than heaven loves me more. Five, six, seven, on the hands. Eight and nine, he loves me more. Now we stand right up to him. Here tonight, as you can tell, we're missing a few people. It's Memorial Day weekend. That usually signifies the uh, first uh, big weekend of the summer. So we have a lot of folks that are traveling that are out of town. And uh, we certainly wish everybody who is traveling uh, safe travels and safe returns to us. Uh, of course, tonight is our Bible classes. We've got uh, several Bible classes, several options for you. There's also one in the Annex. Uh, I think that particular class is about denominational doctrines, if I remember correctly. Uh, you also have the class here in the auditorium, and of course, we've got children's classes for all ages. Before our prayer, let me remind you as well that uh, if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper and could not do so this morning, if you'll go to the little chapel uh, in the back, the very back uh, in the foyer, uh, you'll be served before you go to class. So that's all the things that I need to say tonight, I believe. So uh, let's uh, be dismissed before our classes in prayer. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for all you do for us. We're mindful of, of so many blessings that are ours each and every day. Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, may our hearts uh, remember uh, the many who've given the ultimate sacrifice of life itself so that we might enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. Most of all, Father, we are thankful for your Son. And, of course, every first day of the week, we're thankful that we can remember his death, his burial, and resurrection as we partake of the Lord's Supper. And may we never forget that his blood made possible our salvation. Father, there are many of our number that are sick. There's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, facing uh, a lot of people, and Father, here in our church family, there are many that need our prayers, and we pray that you would be with each one of them. Father, you know their needs, and uh, we pray that they can be restored to a portion of their health. Father, bless us as we go to our classes tonight. May we have open hearts and open minds as we study your word, and may we resolve to leave here uh, a little better than we were when we came. Father, may we glorify you in all things that we do, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
Great to see you. I hope you had a good day. Some of you have returned. We missed you this morning, but we assumed you were in a good place and you'd make it back, so I'm glad you did. Today was our Mission Sunday, so if you were intending to contribute to our mission work, we would very much appreciate you doing so. Uh, Jim Estes and I had a goal of $100,000. Why are you laughing? Really? So if somebody wants to make up the difference, that'd be good. Um, I heard that to this point, before all the rest of it's coming in, we have $22,500. All of that is going to mission work of some sort. Isn't that exciting? But it's not 100000 So whoever wants to pick up the rest of that, thank you. Thank you so much. Again, we have Bible classes. Uh, there's an annex class you can participate in and certainly be welcome there. Otherwise, in this class, we're going to be studying the book of Judges. And tonight, especially, we're going to be looking at Gideon. That's in chapters 6, 7, and 8. So you can open your Bible there. We'll not be reading all of that, but we will be looking at some texts in that to develop a better understanding of how Gideon fits in to the Bible story. I have these folks on my list that are sick, and some of them are in the bulletin, some are not. I rehash these because I want you to know the people we're praying for, and then we will actually have a prayer for them here in a moment. Irene Baker has terminal cancer, so we pray for her and her caregivers. Martha Eaton's preparing for foot surgery on June the 6th. That's coming up pretty soon. So still on go? Still on go. We're praying that's a great success. Austin Wentz is undergoing treatment for cancer, and he has good days and bad days. Terry Green's in the midst of taking chemo treatments, and that's been going on a while, so I'm hoping he's coming close to an end on that. Verlin Davis has Alzheimer's, and we remember her caregivers as well. And Stevens deals with several health issues. Jeff Goff is returning, uh, recuperating from a broken back. He sustained several weeks ago. Marilyn Wilson's recovering from back surgery. And my mother-in-law, Ruth Staley, don't really have an update. She did have her cataract surgery. That oh, Wait, where's Anita? She's gone. Oh, okay. All right. Peace. Um, but they, they were going to do a biopsy, follow up the original biopsy. That's been postponed, so we're, we're waiting on that. Kim Fowler broke her foot. She's recovering. Don Dawson has stomach issues. Kara Burns and her daughter. Uh, I saw pictures, thanks to Sue. She's doing a lot better, and we're very thankful for that. Johnny Howe has cancer. That's Ken Scott's aunt. Roger Mooney's wife, Connie, is recovering, taking rehab at One West. Sue James has cancer. That's a fr friend of Rick Warner's. Gary Thornton is undergoing cancer treatment. That's Barbara Gwynn's brother. Quitman Wigginton is back in Landmark. We had a devotional today. He wasn't able to come. Uh, he's just not, not doing spectacularly yet, but we're praying. Geraldine Taylor's also out there at Landmark. She has pancreatic cancer. Remember Stephen Hodgins' dad, Kenneth, he fell off a ladder, uh, injured his back. Okay, so Renee Page, we... We prayed for last week. She was diagnosed with lung cancer. That's Rick Warner's first cousin. Well, they did a PET scan, and the scan showed this much cancer. They think maybe what they thought originally was maybe is COVID-related. So when I heard that news, the hair on the back of my neck, believe it, stood up. I, I like to hear news like that, Right. Just because they come out and they say this doesn't make it so, okay? Doctors are great. We need them, yes, yes, but they are not God. So that's terrific news, and I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Pat Ritchie has pancreatic cancer under hospice care. Doris Eaton, that's a friend of Sue's, is under hospice. Pardon? She did? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Gina? Oh, Virginia. 
Um, you see Tommy. There he is. He looks healthy as a horse, but Tommy's undergoing cancer treatments right now too. So we're pretty close to the end of that, right? How many? Three more. So please keep him in your prayers as he's going through that. Randy Stutz, you know, he did just tremendously well with his knee surgery, and now he's had to have it again. So uh, remember him as he's recovering. Uh, Remember the folks that are affected by the um, Uvalde shooting? Uh, That's just devastating. Stan Pounds is going to be having cataract surgery on Tuesday. Shirley Farr has back issues, uh, complications with diabetes. She's a member out at Zion Rest. Madonna Cook is going to be having neck surgery on Tuesday in Memphis. That's the one where they go in the front. You know that's outpatient surgery now? I didn't. That's amazing to me. Uh, But remember her as she's recuperating from that. Okay, uh, Chastity Noe is on the back row there with Lisa. And she came to me after services this morning. She said she was really nervous and shy about responding. But uh, she had some issues in her life she needed to pray about. She's repentant. She's a member of the church. She's been a member out at Jumpertown. But we had a prayer together, and I assured her, Just a hunch that this is a forgiving bunch of people. Is that right? Yes. And so we prayed to God on her behalf, and then I wanted to share that with you tonight. Good news? Nod your head this way. Yes. Uh, Madison, who's granddaughter of Luther and Joan, she's going to be having gallbladder surgery on Wednesday. So we pray that's a success. And, oh, I'll put that in there twice. All right. Anybody else that you want to add to? Holly Rose? I hate this word right here, COVID. COVID-19. Wish they'd change it. COVID zero, like as in no more. Okay, let's have our prayer. Wait, we didn't sing a song. Let's sing a song, okay? Sing a song, then we'll have our prayer. 346, we'll, we'll sing the first verse. Pardon? Okay, we'll definitely pray about that. Three, four, six. He lives. Let's sing like he lives. Yes? Okay. First verse. I serve the risen Savior, sing the words JT. All right, let's have our prayer and then we'll begin our study. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for a a beautiful day today and thank you for the blessings that have been abundant and each one of us can list so many things, but we're just appreciative of everything that you do on our behalf. And thank you for this time that we can be together and study your word. And we pray that it will be effective, not just in helping us learn things, but also to build up our faith, to strengthen us. We pray, Father, that you'll be with these folks who are sick, 
or afflicted in some way, those who've had surgery or facing surgery, and we're praying, Lord, that, that they're going to do well. We pray for Irene Baker and for her comfort and for her family. We pray for Martha Eaton as she's preparing for foot surgery very soon. We ask your blessings on Austin Wentz and Terry Green as they're undergoing treatments, and we pray that all of that's going to be successful in putting their cancer in remission. We pray for Verlin Davis, that she'll have good days, and we pray for her family as they offer support to her, offer care. We pray for Ann Stevens and her health issues. Bless Jeff Goff and his recovery and Marilyn Wilson and hers. We pray for Ruth Staley that... Uh, just as the first biopsy was negative, the second one will too. And if she's having additional problems, uh, we just pray, Lord, that whatever's causing it can be determined and treated and that she can get better soon. We pray your blessings on Kim Fowler in recovery with her broken foot. Bless Don Dawson with his many health issues. We pray for Kara Burns and her daughter who are recovering, and we're thankful that they're doing well. Bless Johnny Howe who has cancer and Connie Mooney as she's recovering from a recent hip replacement surgery. Bless Sue James, who has cancer. Bless Gary Thornton and his treatments. We pray for Quitman, Lord, that he'll have good days. And if it's your will that he can recover and get stronger. And oh, we, just, we just pray that things could return back to normal for him. We pray for Geraldine Taylor that she can be comforted uh, in her diagnosis. We pray for Kenneth Hodgen that he'll be able to recover and, and have good mobility following his accident. We're rejoicing with Rick and their family in uh, Renee's um, test results. And Lord, we just we pray that those results are exactly right. And uh, if she's having some complications from the COVID, we pray they can treat it. But we're just thankful for a no cancer. We pray for Pat Ritchie, who has cancer, for uh, the family of Doris Eaton. We pray comfort, and also for uh, the Mooney family. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless Tommy as he's taking treatments, and we pray you'll give him strength and resilience that these last treatments will pass quickly and He'll get good results. Bless Randy Stutz in recovery for his knee surgery. We pray your comfort on families that were affected with the Texas shooting. And, of course, so many families, even here, are affected just hearing about events like this. But there are people who are going through the throes of the results of this shooting. We just pray your blessings on that community. Be with Stan as he's having cataract surgery be with Shirley Farr that uh, she can uh, get her health back in order. We pray for Madonna Cook who has surgery this week. We pray it's a great success. We're thankful that Chastity is here with us. We're thankful for your forgiveness and uh, we're, we're thankful that she can um, be here with us and enjoy our, our fellowship and our family. We pray for Madison as she has gallbladder surgery this week. We pray it's uh, just a textbook case that they'll be able to resolve her issues and that she'll be healthy again soon. We pray for Holly Rose who has COVID. We pray that uh, she'll receive the treatment she needs to feel better. And we pray for James Goddard who has cancer again. And we just pray that that can be treated if it's your will. Certainly that he can be comforted in it. Lord, please bless us tonight as we study together. Help us, Lord, to gain insights. And no matter what the decisions of people of the past, help us, help us not just not to see ourselves in them, but only so far as their faithfulness to you. When they make mistakes, then help us to learn from that, not to use them as an excuse to make those same mistakes, but to build on that, be better than that. Thank you for every opportunity you put in our hands before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, studying Judges and Ruth, and some of you have read ahead, and that's great. That's what I want you to do. In fact, by the time we finish, I hope that you've read through these books several times. 
So as we're going our five-year plan through the books of the Bible, you will have read it, at least in those digestible chunks, those studious chunks. You'll have taken on the Word of God in a spectacular sort of way. Now, as I mentioned on these slides, I have some text that we're going to deal with. This isn't everything that you'll find in these three chapters. I'm trusting that you're going to examine those, but I felt like these are some things that we need to discuss or at least have out on the table as we're thinking about Gideon. Now, you know, we're kind of making downward steps here, right? We start off with things being spectacular and then we're gradually going down. By the time we get to the end of this book, things are going to be off the rails, terrible. But then we're going to finish up with Ruth and we're just going to be like, yay, it couldn't be any better. The thing we want to keep in mind is there was what was happening generally to practically everybody. And then kind of in between in those little spaces were some jewels. And we're going to see some of that as we go through the text, but not too much. We're going to reserve that for that hopeful respite that we'll find in the book of Ruth. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start at the very beginning to kind of set the stage some of this is going to seem familiar, but I want you, to, want you to have your thinking cap on because there is something that is very different about how this thing gets underway. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Is that the same? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. So we're in our cycle, right? Things were good, had a period of peace, but now we're doing evil again. So... Same as always, Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. What does that tell you about it? Was it oppressive? Yes. Okay. Because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds, which are in the mountains. How bad had things gotten? So bad we're willing to live like... We're willing to live like animals because we're terrified. These people are bad. And so they're, evacu they're leaving behind their homes because they're so terrified. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them, destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. Not only were they oppressive, but what were they doing to the people themselves? They're taking their livelihood, not just a livelihood. A livelihood tends to suggest I have an abundance, I can sell it and make some money. They're actually doing what? Destroying everything. So that we don't even, you know, we're hiding. It's bad enough that we're in, in fear for our lives that we would hide in the mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. But they're also destroying our crops. So we see, them, we see them hurt us now because, you know, they're ravaging what we have. So whatever you had stored up somewhere, what happened to it? They took it. And then what about your prospect for the future? That's been destroyed too. And, and, and they take everything. If you don't have sheep or ox or donkey, how do you even work the land? You don't. So this is a, this is a kind of like a, you've heard this before, a scorched earth tactic, right? They are absolute. Why, why, by the way, are the Midianites, the Amalekites treating Israel this way? Okay. Yeah. Ultimately, that's, that's why, but pardon? Okay. You know, as th these people were supposed to be destroyed, so God said, since you didn't, these particular ones I'm going to cause to rise up and they're going to give you trouble. And that has happened all along. Up until this point, it's been generally the kings of the Canaanites. What happened to them? What did Deborah and Barak do to those kings of the Canaanites? Squashed them. Is that the end of it? No, there was a list that also included the Midianites and the Amalekites. Now it's their turn. And because of, okay, so we, we see what's happened. We see what's happened. So Israel, they get oppressed by a nation for a while, but they come back. So what we're going to do is stop the cycle, right? 
we're going to so squash them that they will never rise up again. That's kind of the attitude here. For they would come up with the livestock, their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. But they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Okay, now keep this in mind. Up until this point, and this, this is where I want you to notice that things changed a little bit. Up until this point, when the people cried out to the Lord, what happened? The Lord heard them, right? And then He automatically did what? Sent them a deliverer. And then that deliverer, well, they delivered, right? That's been the pattern up until this point. But look at verse, uh, verse 7. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the many nights that the Lord, wait, the Lord didn't send a judge. What did He send? The Lord sent a prophet. Now stop right there. What do prophets do? They do two things, remember? They foretell and they foretell. To foretell is to tell about the future. To foretell is to be a spokesman for God on the spot, right? God wants you to know something, and that's what a prophet tells. Okay, so... This time, instead of the Lord just kind of in His own way raising up a deliverer, instead He sends a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now, what's going to happen? Maybe you hated this when you were a child. But since I hated it so much, it's a tactic I used with my kids. Your parent comes in after you've made a mistake or messed up, and they say, I've told you over and over and over again. What is it we hate for people to do? I told you so. I told you so. But wait a minute. This is a good learning experience, right? You've been through Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, and Barak, and you've seen how this has been going. And every time you cried out to me, I responded, let's just take a break here for a moment and review. So the, so the Lord says this, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all who oppressed you. Stop right there. What had the children of Israel done when they were oppressed by the Egyptians? Oh, Lord, help us, help us. Oh, please, please, please remember us. And then God delivered them, right? He says, you remember that? How, how I came through with you on that? Everybody who oppressed you, I drove them out before you and gave you their land. You know, it's not... You, you remember, not only did it, I gave you what they had. That's how I took care of you. He said, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I told you that. But what happened? You did not obey my voice. What does God want us to do? Just obey. You do that, how are things going to be? They're going to be great. Okay. You have not obeyed my voice. Okay, so... A little bit different. I'm going to help, but I just want you to know, I want you to know that you bring these things on yourself. You go through these cycles, you cry out to me, stop for a moment, realize that I'm watching. I'm in control of this. So God's going to send a guy by the name of Gideon as a deliverer. Does anybody know what the name Gideon means? I find this kind of interesting. Gideon literally means feller. F-E-L-L-E-R. As in, hey feller, what you doing? No, not that. Are you all listening? 
I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, a feller, as in someone who cuts a tree, fells a tree. Does that, that make sense now? W what they did with that meaning was they associated it with a warrior. Okay. Now, what kind of warrior is Gideon? Say, he's no warrior at all. In fact, when he is tapped for leading war, he's like, Wait, me? Me? God's going to help you. If God's going to do this, I, I want to I sign. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not very confident about myself. Don't believe I'm the feller <laughs> that, that you need. I'm not the warrior. I'm not the, I'm not the, the, I'm not the military agent that you perhaps have me confused with. So look, beginning at verse 17. You know what? Since I'm not confident in this, I want, I want some indication as to if you've truly chosen me or not. What's interesting about this is that you remember, and, and I told you that there is kind of a connection here between this Gideon, who is, is nobody, inexperienced in terms of war, who has chosen by the Lord. He's actually, you know, taking care of his grain in what was a wine press. Anybody know what a wine press was used for? Okay, grapes. Okay, why is he threshing out the grain in a wine press? He's hiding, right? He's hiding. Okay, so the angel of the Lord addresses him. He's hiding out in the wine press. Um, I was thinking there was another guy by the name of Moses, right? Uh, when Moses was called to serve the Lord and deliver, as we just discussed a moment ago, the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, where was he? Okay, well, okay, Moses, Moses, Moses also had an audience with the Lord. In this case, it, the text... Um, Exodus chapters 3 and 4 describes Moses in his interaction with the Lord. The Lord manifests himself as the angel of the Lord in a fiery bush. Remember that? The burning bush. You probably saw that when you were a little kid. Probably got a little copy of picture and so forth. Okay. In that interaction, the Lord tells Moses, hey, you're going to be the deliverer of the people. What was Moses' response? Whoa, not me, Right? Um, among other things, I can't speak, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not this leader. Kind of like with Gideon, maybe you have me confused with somebody else, as though someone can receive a pass from the Lord. So the, the interaction that he has with the Lord. Gideon needs some encouragement. Show me a sign, Lord. Help me to appreciate that it really is you calling me. Then he said to him, this is Gideon to the Lord, if now I've found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it's you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll, I'll wait until you come back. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Stop right there. You remember anybody else that had an interaction with the Lord that is very similar to this? Not Moses this time. Another big name. Starts with an A. You can read about it in Genesis 18. It was Abraham. Abraham, when he had his interaction with the angel of the Lord. He offered the same kind of things. In this case, when, when Abraham offered the food to the manifestation of deity before him, the angel of the Lord, what happened to that food? You remember what they did? They ate it. I mean, they, they literally consumed it right there as though they had sat down and had a meal together. Watch what happens here. 
put the meat in the basket. He put the broth in the pot. He brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat, the unleavened bread, lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Stop right there. What does this sound to you like? Sound like they're getting ready to eat? No, it sounds like a, a sacrifice, an offering. And, and let's be specific about it. It's a burnt offering. A burnt offering was used for what purpose? Anybody remember that? Uh, two, two possible things. One was atonement. The burnt offering was an offering that was completely and absolutely consumed as in the abolishing of sin. That's the picture of it. The second part of that was, it was oftentimes referred to as a whole burnt offering, which means, yeah, the whole thing is consumed, also identifying the sense of commitment. Yeah, I want that atoning sacrifice, but what I'm doing in exchange is I'm saying, I'm with you. Okay, at this point, where's Gideon? Is he all committed and ready to go? Shake your head this way. No. There's all this question built up in him. So he brings the sacrifice. You know, give me a sign. Let me know. And so the Lord said, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in Ophrah of the Bezrites. Uh, okay. Anybody remember anybody else in kind of the... the patriarchal picture. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Moses. Anybody else have interviews with the Lord and they renamed a place? In fact, he renamed places a lot of times. Starts with a J, ends with a Cobb. Jacob. Yeah, Jacob did that. Jacob, when he had these interactions, in this picture, we've got a Gideon who is practically nobody who now is touching in his interactions with the Lord, the reminiscence, the calling to mind of events that are like some of the greatest events of biblical history, all wrapped up in Gideon. I'm asking you, do we have a lot of confidence in Gideon at this point? Well, some of you are shaking your head this way. You know the story. But at this point with all of this encouragement and, and God backing up and, hey, let's, let's make this offering, I'm with you. I'm telling you, I, I have a lot of hope in Gideon. I'm thinking this guy is going to get something done. Now, we offered a burnt offering, sacrifice. If I make a burnt offering sacrifice and I am, in effect, committing myself, what does that mean about my move forward? Can I just keep things the way that they have always been? Is that okay? Shake your head this way. No. I've got to get my house in order, right? If I repent, what does repentance mean? A change of mind, a change of heart. I'm changing my course. I'm going to do better. Uh, what kind of person up until this point was Gideon? In particular, his father. Actually, they had been affected by the nations round about them, and they were idolatrous people. That's also happening in this cycle, remember? Part of the reason that we have the downfall is because you start intermingling with the people around, and you become influenced by the nations and their idolatrous practices, and before you know it, what happens to you? You become idolatrous as well. If we're going to have this relationship, if you're going to be the, the mighty man of valor that I see in you, then you've got to get your house in order. Chapter 6, verse 25, beginning. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. By the way, what's the proper arrangement? From your study of other altars that were built. It was always made up of how many stones? Remember? Twelve stones, right? Twelve stones always arranged. Uh, one might bring to mind the eventual... Kind of the same, kind of the same scenario. Remember when Elijah in 1 
Kings chapter 18 went against the 450 prophets of Baal. There had been an altar of the Lord torn down there. Elijah picked up all, guess how many stones? Twelve stones, which were representative of, of Israel, right? So they torn down this. We're going to arrange it in the proper arrangement. Take the second bull, offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. In other words, you're going to build an altar and make this sacrifice to the Lord built out of what? What used to be yeah, the, 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 the image, the, the, the false god there. What, what does that say or what kind, of, what kind of picture is being painted for us? In the same, it's, it's like in the same fell swoop as he is eliminating the idolatry from his life, he is resurrecting and bringing into prominence what? Worship to the true Lord, right? So tear all of that down and then you're going to build it back. We're going to use those things which had torn down the image. Is that going to be a popular move? You think everybody in the community is like, you know what, Gideon, we're with you. That sounds good. The answer would be a resounding no. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants, did as the Lord had said to him. Stop right there. Why does he want ten men to go with him? I think it's backup. Yeah, I think it's protection. Mighty man of valor. Uh, hey guys, uh, want to go and help here? Because the response is not going to be good. So he takes uh, ten, ten men from among the servants. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, uh, he did it by night. So can I put you in mind of somebody like uh, Nicodemus, right? Yeah, I want to serve the Lord. I want to know more about him, but I want to what? Kind of hedge my bets a little bit. I, I want to demonstrate my faithfulness, but how about let's do this at night, right? Not stir things up too much. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down. The wooden image that was beside it was cut down. The second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. Wait, what's, kindle, what's kindling the fire that's, built, that's burning the sacrifice? You know, it's like, uh, hey, what happened to our image as the fire is burning and probably some parts of that image are visible in the coals? I just think this is a pretty funny story. So he cuts all that down and they say, uh, who's done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, because he's torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. So what are they going to do? We're going to get revenge. We are going to, how could you have done this? But Joash said to all who stood against him. Now remember, Joash, although he is Gideon's father, Joash up until this point was what? Wasn't he an idol worshiper? Absolutely, he was very dedicated to that. In fact, Joash, you bring your son out here. We want to talk to him. You know, we want to take vengeance. Joash stood against him and he said, would you plead for Baal? In other words, let Baal do what? If Baal's the true God, let Baal take care of himself. Would you save him, the, your God? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he's a God... Let him plead for himself because his altar's been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Okay, so Gideon, he's gotten the sign from the Lord by the presence of the angel of the Lord. A sacrifice, a burnt offering was sent up to the Lord. A sacrifice kind of a culminating this whole thing, bringing it together and demonstration of our contriteness and get rid of the idols and let's change this community. I don't care what dad says. Oh, wait a minute. Dad's backing me up in this. We have humiliated Baal using the remnants of his own altar in order to bring up an altar and sacrifice to the Lord. Yes, we're ready to go. True or not true? Eh, yeah, but... This mighty man of valor stuff? I don't know. I just really want confirmation on that. Are you kind of getting the idea he's a little bit uncertain of himself? You ever been that way? Yes, Lord, but. Chapter 6, verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if, if you will save Israel by my hand, 
as you have said. Now stop right there. Had the Lord already said it? Yes. So why are we questioning this? Where's his commitment? Where's his... Doesn't it remind you of the man who says to Jesus, Lord, I believe what? Help my belief. I believe it. I'm confident to a point. However, Lord, this, you know, this terrifies me. I I was afraid with regard to my own demonstration of repentance and change of heart. I had to have 10 guys come with me at night and offer the sacrifice. I'm willing to do what you say. I just, Lord, just, you know, just help me this one more time. Just help me one more time. So Gideon says to God, if you'll save Israel by my hand, as you've said, look, I put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you'll save Israel by my hand, as you've said. And it was so. When he arose early the next morning, squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. By the way, I'll remind you this. Baal was the god of what? Do you remember? The god of... Remembering this from our study of Deborah and Barak, the god of storms, in particular, the god of water. I referenced that 450 prophets of Baal from 1 Kings chapter 18 story. You remember that Elijah, before he lit the sacrifice, what did he do to it? Poured four barrels of water three different times over the sacrifice into a trench of water so it was overflowing to demonstrate God's power over... Well, you say, yeah, the power over the water, but what is the water representing? The false god Baal. And what does God do to that? He licks it up. He destroys it. What did he do to Sisera and his army there in that valley of a a dry riverbed? He destroyed 900 iron chariots, remember that? With the flood of water that came as a result of those storms. God is going to dominate Baal every single time. So it was so. When he rose early the next morning, squeezed the fleece, wrung the dew out of the fleece, bowl of water. Gideon said to the Lord, don't be angry with me. But, you know, let me speak just this once more. Maybe this was a coincidence. I don't know. So let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. What is God saying? No matter matter what test you put me through, I've told you I'm going to give you the success, right? And... No matter the challenges that you know, his, his own weakened confidence, God is going to give success. So Gideon says, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go into battle against the numberless Midianites. So we gather up our forces and we have 32,000 men. Oh, I don't know, Lord. That seems like very few, but I'm pretty sure, you know, you said you give us, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. What did God say about that? Way too many. Any of you afraid? Go home. How many of them left? 22,000. So that there are 10,000 left. But that's still good. How many did Gideon have? 10,000, right? Great. But then Deborah wrote that song, kind of glorified that whole mess. God says, not good enough. We're going to whittle that down too. So bring the men down here to drink. When they all took a drink, there were two different camps. The majority of them got down on the ground and drank it right out of the stream. 300 of them cupped the water in their mouth and lapped it up like a dog. God said, those are the ones. Gideon, you have your force to take on the numberless Midianites. 300 men. Our time's up, so next time we will see the battle that ensues. And Lord willing... We will get into the story of a man by the name of Jephthah. We're going to continue going down, 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 down. Let's have a quick prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the blessing again of this day. And for the remainder that is before us, we pray that we'll use it to your your glory. Thank you for the blessing of it. Thank you for the scriptures and 
uh, help us as we're just processing these stories to be able to gain some things, some insight that will help us to be faithful, to trust you no matter what. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do with us and through us. And we pray that all that is accomplished will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.